Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Doing the Thing podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Jason. How are you doing, Jason? I'm well, man. Good to be here again. Yeah, good to have you, bro. And uh, today's going to be another cool conversation. And, you know, we're, Jason and I were kind of footballing an idea around about what is the world going to look like on the other side of COVID-19? And more importantly, because we're entrepreneurs, right? And we always tell our clients, uh, you know, you always have options even when you think you, you don't or when it feels like you don't. There's going to be some emerging industries and trends and opportunities on the other side of this that perhaps didn't exist or didn't exist to the extent that they will. Um, so today's conversation is going to be around, you know, ideas and industry trends we're seeing, but we're going to take some lessons from history along the way. Um, maybe some things you should think about and maybe some things others wish they thought about. <laughs> so we've got some cool stories to tell you along the way too. How's that sound for a topic, Jason? That sounds really good, man, because, you know, we think about, you know, when, when the Spanish flu uh, kind of, you know, went through the United States, well, the world really, you know, what happened on the other side of that? You know, it'd be interesting to kind of explore that a little bit. You know, I can pull up the, uh, the interwebs while we're on here and just kind of reference some of that stuff because, you know, it matters. It's, um, it's very relevant, you know, and, and like you said, with, um, you know, emerging opportunities or whatever you want to call it post COVID-19, there's also other industries that may not have had as much attention before that will have even more attention. Um, you know, probably wasn't all that sexy to be in a janitorial service, you know, a couple months ago, but now those guys are rock stars, right? That's yeah. Delivery people, they're rock stars right now. So what's, what's that mean with everybody else? You know, where are they going to be? Yeah. Oh, that, you know, those are two excellent examples and, you know, um, great businesses get started usually in one of two ways. Either it's a problem no one has solved before, or it's just a off the wall zany idea. <laughs> um, yeah. I got some stories to tell you that from, from both sides of that equation. Um, but you know, let's go back in history a little bit. So, um, mail has always been a problem. You know, the FedEx was founded by a guy, uh, ex-Marine actually, who wrote a term paper while he was going to school at Yale about the idea of, you know, freight being delivered via airplane. And he's not the first to be thinking about solutions. So we go way, way back, man. We, we're talking here, 18, 1859. <laughs> and right. uh, yeah, so back in that day, let's just frame this, back in that day, Mail was, do you know how mail was delivered? Was it a train? Was it a horse and carriage? Maybe a combination? So you're spot on. In 1859, it was horse and carriage. It was stagecoach. And uh, around 1861, 1862, train became the prominent one. So back in the 1859 days, it was stagecoach, and do you have any idea what it might take to deliver a piece of mail? Um, oh, stage. Can you imagine having Amazon back there? You'll receive your package in approximately three months. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, it was 24 days. It was 24 days. So a guy um, named John Wise, um, funny last name when we hear about what he did, but a guy named John Wise... Um, 
had this idea and the idea itself is a smart one. He said, maybe I can shorten the time if we're delivering mail by air instead of on the ground. Yeah. Think about FedEx. That makes sense, right? Yeah. So uh, check this out. On August 17th, 1859, John Wise gets in his air balloon. He names it Jupiter. He gets in his air balloon. He's got 123 letters. Um, and he's in, uh, sorry, he's in Lafayette, Indiana. He's got 123 letters that he's going to fly in the air balloon to New York. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's got 123 letters bound for New York. But what happens is he gets up in the air and uh, he, he, you know, the winds shift, right? And he gets blown south um, after he gets about 14,000 elevation in the air, you know, high enough that the hot air balloon can do its thing. Five hours later, he's only, <laughs> he's only moved 30 miles <laughs> in five hours. And, uh, and he, he, he ends up having to land in Crawford, Indiana. And guess what he does then? He had to get back up in the air, wait till the weather changes. I don't know, man. Get in that <laughs> carriage. <laughs> <laughs> He, he found the nearest stagecoach and gave him 123 letters to take to New York with him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, good for him for trying, but um, yeah, hot, hot air balloons are hard to control. Hard to control. Yeah. I mean, the principle of the ideas was, was I guess, a good one, but um, yeah. So then um, it's now 1860 and here's the ad that goes in the paper. It says, and, and, you know, tell me how you would react to this ad. And, you know, for anybody who might be listening, imagine you're on Indeed and this is what you see. It says, wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18, must be expert riders willing to risk death daily. Orphans preferred, wages $25 per week. <laughs> this is a Shackleton situation here. I don't trust this. <laughs> Yeah, really. Uh, well, you know, any idea what we're talking about here, what the company is? Oh, man. UPS. Pony Express. Pony Express. Okay. <laughs> I Pony thought this was going to go into another, another modern shipping <laughs> company. Yeah, Pony Express. So, you know, the idea was good, right? Instead of a stagecoach, you got one individual rider. You got way stations every 15 miles where they can take a break. And, you know, the, the founder, William Russell, figured out that uh, he could probably cut delivery time down by 60%, 24 days down to around seven days. So that's good, right? Yeah. But then, <laughs> but then um, a, a transcontinental, is that the right term? I think it is. Um, Sounds about yeah, right. Transcontinental Telegraph opened its doors and that was a freight solution across the country and they opened their doors um in january of 1861 the pony express closed its doors in october of 1861. wow okay. yeah so you, know, you get these ideas around uh innovative solutions and i props to them right but i think you got to be thinking a little further out than a year or so what's going to happen in the future Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You want to be sustainable. Yeah. So, you know, talking about janitorial industry as an example, what, what do you see them doing different? 
I see them doing a lot of probably residential stuff, especially, um, you know, senior homes are probably not going to be as popular. So people are going to, you know, this is kind of me from sitting from my, my point of view, you know, seeing a lot of, you know, seniors not going, taking advantage of those homes because you see the news, what's going on right now. There's a, there's a lot of, you know, COVID-19 outbreaks and things like that. Families that actually can have, you know, their, their parents and their grandparents at home with them, they're going to do that. And I think there's going to be a lot more residential cleaning uh, occurring after that. And there's going to be more scrutiny on, on the types of products that they use and the cleanliness of, of, uh, of the, I, I guess yeah. you could say, um, the safety of them. Yeah, most definitely. You think about things like home health care versus senior centers, you know, I mean, studies have shown that 70% of seniors, and I don't blame them, they, they would much rather, you know, age in place than go to a facility, right? And post-COVID, they're going to, the number's probably going to be 99%, maybe even 100%, right? And so those kinds of solutions are going to emerge. Absolutely, hospital-grade cleaning solutions brought to a residence might have seemed overkill two months ago. They don't know. No. Yeah, definitely not. Um, you want you want to be able to make sure everybody's safe coming in. Even air quality, you know, that's something that we don't think about in our own homes too often. You know, maybe we, we clean out the air filter um, in our, you know, our furnace or AC, you know, every couple of months. But um, are we actually thinking about how our ducts are and, and how, you know, the ventilation system is? We probably don't. We probably don't think about that often at all. Uh, yeah. That's going to be another thing. You know, we want to be, make sure that our air is clean. Um, yeah. Services are kind of kind of shift to that as well. Yeah. So, you know, another thing I was thinking about, a uh, dear, dear friend of mine uh, has a dragon fruit plant and she uh, cut some snippets off of it and, and mailed it via the post office and it showed up yesterday. And so there it is sitting out in my courtyard and it's obviously a cardboard tube. And I know that the COVID virus, the coronavirus lives on cardboard for 24 hours. And so it literally sat in my courtyard for 24 hours before I touched the thing, right? So I started to think about, you know, the, the shipping and packing and that, you know, that's what led me to these mail stories. And I ran across another funny one. You want to hear it? Yeah. Yeah. Because you really got me thinking about that now because we're all doing this. We're all using Amazon and we're all, you know, shipping our stuff or shipping our food and everything. So let's hear this next story. And I want to talk more about that. Yeah. So how would you imagine, think about the city of New York. How would you imagine in 19, around 1935, uh, the majority of their mail was getting delivered? I'm sorry. How would you imagine the majority of their their mail was moving through the city to get delivered? In the 30s, I think they, they've had, didn't they have the metro? I don't know if they're using that. Um, and this carriage would be tough because I think even traffic was, you know, well, I think vehicle would be more appropriate at that point. But I don't know, man. That's a, that's a good question. <laughs> so would it surprise you to hear that 55% of their mail flew through tubes underground beneath the city? No way. <laughs> I thought that was just individual like office buildings. 
No, dude, it's a fact. It's a fact. So, wow. yeah. And there were actually people, they, they, I don't know why they call them this. They call them racketeers. But there were people responsible for feeding pieces of mail into these pneumatic tubes that are still under the city. No kidding. I wonder if they're functional at all. I wonder if they can bring that back. I don't know, but there's probably something innovative you could do with that indoor shooting range or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, so they abandoned the system in 1953, but prior to that, you know, 55% of the mail, but here's the thing. And imagine this, only one piece of mail could be in the system every 12 seconds. Hmm. So these racketeers, as they call them, would like, I picture them like standing, holding an envelope going one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, <laughs> 12. <laughs> and That's then the county's job right there. <laughs> right? Um, and the other thing about it, it, it was expensive and nothing weighing more than five pounds um, could go through the tubes. So that's probably what the other 45% remaining of the mail was. But that's crazy, right? It is. It, it has some practicality to a point, but I could definitely see why they abandoned it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially so as there's more population in the city as people, as it grew. Yeah, it had to have been completely unsustainable. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. So, you know, it, it's fun to share these stories, right? And, and looking back, it just seems very crystal clear that they weren't sustainable ideas. But at the time, they sure sound and felt good. And hey, if 55% of New York City's mail at one time went through tubes underground, who's to argue that, right? Yeah, yeah. I wonder, I wonder what we have today. I wonder what's out there today that that you know isn't going to be sustainable post you know post COVID-19 or, or just right now something that we just really love and we use all the time and it's just going to seem completely impractical in the near future I got um, one okay movie theaters oh man I love going to the movies I know me too maybe drive-ins will find their way back that would be amazing. I was actually talking to my mother about that the other day. Um, growing up, there's this um, this drive-in theater that we used to go to. It's near Anaconda, Montana. It's between Anaconda and Butte, Montana. It's kind of almost like this little oasis in the middle of nowhere. Love it. Um, yeah, yeah. And we had so much fun. We'd go out there, pull down the tailgate of a pickup truck, and put a whole bunch of blankets and food in the back and just enjoy. Um, we don't see that kind of stuff anymore. That would be amazing if that would kind of be the shift. Yeah, get this. When I was growing up, um, my dad, may he rest in peace, um, would make my sister and brother and I in, crouch down on the floor in the back seat of a sedan, and then he would put blankets over us, <laughs> and then he would put grocery bags and other things on top of the blankets. <laughs> so we, we got in free <laughs> we did the same thing <laughs> yeah and then it was so weird like then you know i'd be the one that would have to go buy the popcorn or whatever right and i then have to get out of the car and like go up to the counter and wonder okay i 
was under a blanket. Now I'm walking around. Are they going to catch me kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. I feel like you're on a, a mission, you know, like a little James Bond. Kind of mission. <laughs> as, a kid, as a kid, that's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it is important to be asking ourselves, what is the world going to look like? And yeah, there are some industries that are going to take a hit. We can't can't possibly deny that. And there are going to be others that emerge. But, you know, sometimes, um, and, you know, my last story of the, the session today, um, sometimes the greatest ideas come from the simplest of things and things that every one of us do and just never give it a thought. Um, for instance, put you on the spot here. Did you have turkey for Thanksgiving last year? Yes, I did. You did. And when you got all the way through the turkey, did you pull out the wishbone? Always. Always, right? Yeah. And don't we all, right? So I think check, so. Yeah. yeah, check this out. Check this out. Um, a guy named Ken Aroni, back in 1999, a guy named Ken Aroni is sitting around the Thanksgiving dinner table doing exactly what you and I and every other American does. And gets out the wishbone and makes his wish and breaks it. And then he's like, you know, it's too bad there aren't more wishbones in a turkey. That's <laughs> simply his idea. So let's fast forward to, well, this is back in 2013. So um, I'm not sure where his business is at today, but back in 2000, this is, I, I pulled this story out of my book because I thought it was a cool one. Um, and I wrote the book in 2013, so that's my disclaimer. But uh, okay. when I researched these guys, the company's called Lucky Break. Guess how many synthetic per wishbones this company was producing on a daily basis? And it's no, under a million. Because I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's, it's over 5,000 and it's under 500,000. What would your guess be? I mean, are they putting them in, in turkeys and they're, they're contracting with like Tyson and all those guys? <laughs> if that's the case, there's got to be, yeah, the high number. Yeah, no, check this out. So they, their average daily run was 30,000. And this is what they do. They put company logos on it for team building events where the teams get to crack their wishbones at, you know, corporate outings. They do it for families. <laughs> you know, who would think for a minute that somebody would want a custom logoed synthetic wishbone, but yeah, multi-million no dollar company. Holy crap. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, it changes things and you hear a story like that and I hope everybody listening, I know I'm going to do it again. I'm just looking around my office right now. Like, Hmm, what can I make out of that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now we, we got to figure out our um, exterior uh, cardboard uh, cleaning business. <laughs> <laughs> cleaning product. Bring it, brother. Probiotic cardboard cleaning. There you go. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. So, you know, I hope today's conversation for, for those of you listening, I hope it, I hope you got some fun out of the mail stories. And most importantly, I hope we got you thinking about what the world's going to look like post COVID and what that new normal could be. And more importantly, what new opportunities can we find? There may be some things that change in our personal and professional lives, but 
there may be new opportunities created that are significantly better than those things. And, you know, think creatively, sit down to dinner tonight and ask yourself a few questions, especially if you're having turkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's, you know, it's got me thinking again, too, you know, just kind of keeping my eyes open and, and, and taking a, you know, a good look at some of the, you know, the all-stars that are going to come out of this, you know, I think, um, you know, anything delivery is going to be huge, but how are they going to sustain themselves, you know, and I don't know, man, <laughs> you know, we look back at some of those stories, you know, um, like in New York, you know, it seemed like the greatest idea ever. We have Amazon, you know, I think that's something that's almost comparable to that. We're, we're, we're getting groceries from there. We're getting all of our household items. Uh, how sustainable is that moving forward? Yeah. You know, you know and one of the things that I kind of think about, you know, is, you know, what's going to be the, the impact on the environment, you know, fossil fuels and things like that. I know the, you know, the fuel industry or the, the I guess the oil industry isn't doing so well, but I think Amazon can keep them afloat just by themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, on the other side of that question is all the people that work in the Amazon warehouses and their exposure to one another and safety practices. And so there will be some changes out of that and do those changes create opportunities. And yeah. you know, I kind of, one other thing I just want to touch on lightly with you because this is your area of expertise. Um, Simply put, we need to be, we need to keep our heads clear. We need to be thinking. We need to be using our minds. And when we do, new opportunities show up. And, you know, the best way that you can keep your mind sharp and improve executive function is what? Exercise, right? Stay healthy. Stay healthy. So, yeah, maybe, you know, Jason, we should do a session, talk about some strategies around home-based exercise, even for people who maybe haven't been active for six, eight, 10 months, two years, whatever the number is. Maybe people who have some weight that they want to lose and have to start very slow, what kinds of things they can do. And, you know, maybe your end of the equation is on the exercise and physiology and mine, maybe I'll cover the, the effects it has on the brain and the mind and some studies around that. That might be a fun topic. Yeah, you know, um, exercise, how do you work out in a home? Should you work out in a home? How do you, um, how do you scale it? You know, how do you make that shift from the gym to, you know, household items and things like that? But also, you know, what's I think is the biggest thing right now. I think a lot of people can handle exercise because I see a lot of people out walking. They're in the parks. I actually see more people than ever uh, being active and being outside. But you know what? they're sitting right next to their refrigerator in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so what the heck are you eating? You know, how do you handle that? How do you handle, you know, stopping your face all day long? I'm sure some people are, you know, they're bored and they like to bake and they like to cook and they're just, you know, packing on some of those pounds, you know? Yeah. You know what, Jason, I think we have our next podcast yeah, I think that would be a good topic for next episode. Right Looking on. Forward to that. Right on. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing the story. Um, sometimes I just want to shut up and listen because of learning. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I hope everybody else got some value out of this. Uh, please like and subscribe. Share it with anybody that you think might benefit from this. And we'll see you guys next week. Right on, man. Take care. Talk soon. Talk soon.